There are certain things that should bring a lifelong sense of gratitude and responsibility, and one of those would be children to their parents. I often will refer to my parents, you hear Dr. Jim doing the same thing, and it's because we are deeply thankful for their impact upon our lives and their sacrifice. And there are other situations where people have really invested in people's lives. When you come to the nation of Israel, God had given them everything from the beginning of being a nation all the way through, and now we're going to be looking at the great deliverance from Egypt. And one of the things that was going to be very important, as we're going to see in this passage, is that they would have a sense of deep gratitude. The moment you lose gratitude in your heart, you are in deep trouble. And, uh, and so if they were going to love their God, if they were going to believe their God, they were going to have to uh, truly uh, be thankful for his goodness. Turn with me, first of all, to Exodus chapter 11. I'm going to have to quickly look at verses for time's sake here tonight. I do want to at least uh, touch on some things that I believe are very important Several weeks ago, we looked at the confrontation of Pharaoh and God through the mouthpiece of Moses and Aaron. And it came now down to the final plague. And what God said through these men to Pharaoh is uh, uh, very, very uh, striking. And we read in verse uh, 4, and Moses said, Thus saith the Lord, about midnight will I go out into the midst of Egypt, and all the firstborn in the land of Egypt shall die from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sitteth upon his throne, even unto the firstborn of the maidservant that is behind the mill, and all the firstborn of beasts. And there shall be a great cry throughout all the land of Egypt, such as there was none like it, nor shall be like it any more. But against any of the children of Israel shall not a dog move his tongue against man or beast, that ye may know how that the Lord doth put a difference between the Egyptians and Israel. And all these servants shall come down unto me and bow down themselves unto me, saying, Get thee out, and all the people that follow thee, and after that, and after that I will go out. And he went out from Pharaoh in a great anger. That was quite a prediction, wasn't it? Very striking prophecy. Well, did it come to pass? Let's go over to chapter 12. As you know, there's been a message in between where we looked at the Lord's instructions for the Passover meal that was going to show what it would take, the sacrifice for uh, the uh, Lord's judgment to pass over them. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. And uh, you have all of those instructions given, not only for this key time to avoid this 10th plague, but also this was to be a time of remembrance every year. There's nothing more important on the Jewish calendar than the Passover. This was to be the central time of remembering. And remember, it, the Lord's table that we will be celebrating tonight came from uh, the time that they were gathered together to remember what God had done at the Passover meal. So this is very significant even for our time here tonight. I'm not going to review any of that. I'd like you to go down with me now to verse 28. And we read, 
And the children of Israel went away and did as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so did they. The first thing I want us to see about this matter of the deliverance being accomplished was that the Israelites believed God's promise. Now, they had gathered together to hear the direction of the Lord, and they knew that they were at the climax now of this battle between the most powerful man on earth and God himself. And when God told them what they were to do, that the only way they would escape the judgment upon them would be for the blood to be put on the doorpost, they went away and did exactly what God said, said to do. Folks, I tell you, it's not, it's not complicated. The thing that brings great blessing in our lives is to know the will of God, to fear and reverence our God, and to do what he tells us to do. And I'm telling you, they did not question it. We don't have record that one Israelite missed uh, follow, following through. Their hearts were as stirred as the Egyptian hearts had been devastated by what had happened with those plagues. And so they went immediately, and all of the different instructions that we went over in the first part of chapter 12 here of Exodus, they followed through. And, uh, and so it's very important for us to, to ourselves believe God's promises and follow through. Second Peter 1.4, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers of the divine nature. We need to believe what God says about our transformation, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. And we know there at the very heart of the faith chapter, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6, but without faith it is impossible to please God, for he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. And so this great blessing of this powerful deliverance came because Israel now had come to a point where they believed the word of God and acted upon it. Simple but profound. And we need to, in the depths of our heart, realize that every part of the Word of God that applies to our lives, we need to believe it with everything in us and, and uh, respond by the power of God in obedience to the Lord. And God fulfilled His promise. Now, I read from chapter 11. Now, listen to the account of what happened uh, starting in verse 29. And it came to pass... That at midnight the Lord smote all the firstborn in the land of Egypt from the firstborn of Pharaoh that sat on his throne unto the firstborn of the captive that was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of cattle. And Pharaoh rose up in the night, he and all his servants and all the Egyptians. And there was a great cry in Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And he called for Moses and Aaron by night and said, Rise up and get you forth from among my people, both ye and the children of Israel, and go serve the Lord as ye have said. And also take your flocks and your herds as ye have said, and be gone, and bless me also. And the Egyptians were urgent upon the people that they might send them out of the land in haste. For they said, We 
be all dead men. And the people took their dough before it was leavened, their kneading troughs being bound up in their clothes upon their shoulders. And the children of Israel did according to the word of Moses. And they borrowed of the Egyptian jewels of silver and jewels of gold and raiment. And the Lord gave the people favor in the sight of the Egyptians so that they lent unto them such things as they required. And they spoiled the Egyptians. Exactly what God said would happen. Now, folks, do you realize what a devastating event that was? Every household, the firstborn son died. Like, just like that. The death angel, Jehovah God, smote the firstborn, as he said. And we need to understand our God is all-powerful. We're so thankful he's merciful and long-suffering, even with Egypt and the Egyptians and Pharaoh. He went through the early miracles, then the nine previous plagues. He went over and over and, and uh, admonished Pharaoh, giving him every opportunity. But there's a point in which God then had to deal. And he fulfilled his promise and, uh, and so you had crying in the palace, you had crying in the prison. There was wailing. And in those ancient countries, just like many places around the world today, when there is a death, I mean, it's a very loud, uh, uh, very major event. Well, you multiply that. Uh, Egypt was very populated. I don't know what the amount population was and what the family units would be, but you're talking hundreds of thousands of households that are wailing all at one time. I am sure it was a bone-chilling, just unnerving thing to hear the entire land shaken with people crying. Folks, right now, it's my opinion that probably Hades is in the belly of this earth. That's happening right now weeping and wailing. If you heard it, it would unnerve you. I don't know if any of us could take it. But the Lord Jesus tells us about it. And what will the lake of fire be? And we need to be sobered by the fact that we see the goodness of our God, how kind he is, the love of Christ to die on the cross, all the good things that he does for us. We just trust him implicitly, and we should. But my friends, the judgment of God is as sobering a reality as anything. Make no mistake about it. What he says about hell, what he says about judgment, what he says uh, in his word is true. And it ought to go down to the depths of our soul. And what God says, his promises to us are also true. We've got his power. We've got the ability to reach people. But we do need to be sobered as we look at this. What a moment that was. God fulfilled his promise. What was Pharaoh thinking? The heir to the throne, and even history tells us that the firstborn did not inherit the throne of, of Pharaoh Amenhotep II. He died. He had been judged. He met his God and fought with him and lost and let me say, no one, no one fights with God and wins. He's gracious. He's long-suffering. But make no mistake about it, God is God. 
And I think at times we need to tremble before him in a good, wholesome, right way, not a wrong way. But I think the fear of God is what leads us to wisdom, as Proverbs talks about. Everyone is affected. And so Pharaoh goes against his vow that he would not let them go. He breaks his word, which was uh, totally uh, an almost an impossible kind of thing. And he tells them to up, get gone. Now, I don't believe they actually came before Pharaoh because uh, Moses said, we will not see your face again. I think Pharaoh, who himself was in mourning, would not have wanted to be seen in public in mourning. He sent his top ambassadors quickly to Pharaoh and Aaron and said, get up and get out of here. That's my version. Uh, and, uh, and he says, take everything with you. Go, be gone, leave, get away from my people. In other words, I can't handle this. He went into the protective mode, which he should for his people at that moment. And, uh, and the people were urgent. Uh, they were... Uh, uh, they were doing everything they could to say, please go. By the way, it's very interesting that the word that he called, he said, uh, uh, he also asked them to please um, take your flocks, verse 32, and herds, as you have said, and be gone, and bless me also. <laughs> Isn't that something? You talk about a turn of events. He understood he needed God. And remember, Moses had said that the people are going to bow down themselves before him. And here you have that happening. These people were saying, please go. And, uh, and uh, they were uh, uh, just very, um, just fearful. It just, I, I can't imagine this. What chaos, what, what uh, just human pathos was going on at the moment and the pleading Please go. We have no hope. We're going to be destroyed. Their land had been destroyed. Their farms had been destroyed. Their livestock had been destroyed. And now their firstborn had been killed. I'm telling you, when God moves, he can move. One day, I'm, he will stop holding the atomic structure of this universe together. And the heavens and the earth will melt and will blow up and be gone. We're only held together by the grace of God. And it's very sobering when you think about it. The people uh, were instructed to take things from uh, the Egyptians as they willingly gave it. And uh, remember, they had been forced into slavery, God's fair. And uh, so God used the spoiling of the Egyptians to be able to make the tabernacle, to be able to do all that needed to be done uh, for the worship of the Lord. It's very interesting that out of this came that which would house the Shekinah glory of God. And uh, so it's very, uh, very stirring. There's much that could be said about all of this. And, uh, and then we, we see in verse 37, uh, our second point is the deliverance is accessed. All the Israelites were delivered. And the children of Israel journeyed from Ramses to Succoth, about 600,000 on foot that were men besides children. And a mixed multitude went up also with them, and flocks and herds, even very much cattle. And they baked unleavened cakes of the dough which they had brought 
forth out of Egypt, for it was not leavened because they, could, they were thrust out of Egypt and could not tarry, neither had they prepared for themselves any victual. That's a couple of very interesting things. First of all, as I said, we have no record that, it, that there was one Israelite that disobeyed. So all, as we have the number in Numbers chapter 1, verse 6, 60, 46, the exact figure is 603,550 men. Now you extrapolate that out uh, to wives and children, you at least have 2 million people. But we do need to realize, as verse 40 says, now the sojourning of the children of Israel who dwelt in Egypt was 430 years. That's four, you go back 430 years from uh, 2021, 20, uh, well, you know, you're getting uh, way back uh, 1600 and, um, or 17, anyway, forget the math, but it's back there. And, um, and so that's, a, think about how small uh, America was or other countries that are established and how big they are today. So it is, it was uh, clearly God had blessed and protected. And so uh, can you imagine two million people leaving? That's why Pharaoh didn't want them to go. I mean, that was a big hit to their economy and to everything that they were doing. Uh, two million people. And Moses was going to have the unenviable task of having to form them into a nation. And we're going to be looking at that as we go through uh, Exodus here. My, can you imagine? It's like herding cats almost. Uh, uh, I won't get off on cats, but, uh, but herding cats is about an impossibility. And that's probably what he felt like. Sheep, I guess, you know, that's what God calls us. So that was what he went through. But it is, it is uh, quite a story. And... Uh, and, and so you have all the Israelites, and it's a blessing. It's a fulfillment of Genesis 15, 13. God said unto Abram, Know of a surety that thy seed shall be a stranger in a land that is not theirs, and shall serve them, and they shall afflict them four hundred years. And also that nation whom they shall serve will I judge. Now you're going back a long way there. And afterward shall they come out with great substance. So you're dealing uh, several centuries before where the prophecy was given to Abraham and God fulfilled it right exactly like he said he would fulfill it. So that two million, and it's so interesting that they journeyed from Ramses to Succoth. They're not exactly sure where that is. It was probably on a southeast trajectory uh, based upon the other geographical details that were given, but... They went and then camped in the very place where they were um, enslaved. <laughs> and now they're leaving by the deliverance of God as free men. I think that's very significant. And uh, non-Israelites were also delivered. Uh, that's very interesting. And you have, uh, the, uh, uh, you have a mixed multitude, verse uh, 38, I went up with them, and uh, it's an idea of um, many different types of people, and it, it could be, there's uh, different conjectures, it could be some of the old Semitic population that maybe had gravitated to uh, the Israelites uh, when the Hyksos left, 
Uh, it could be that uh, the devastation caused the Egyptians, some of them, to want to serve and be with the Israelites. That makes a lot of sense. I mean, God won that battle. And so uh, they, there was just a collection of people. But I believe that it was an early sign that, uh, as Genesis 12:3 says, And I will bless them that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. I think we have a first move of God here. Uh, even though the mixed multitude was a problem at times later on, God did touch people that were not Israelites and... Um, and uh, God continues to give instructions to them. And uh, those that, ex that truly identified with Israel and put their faith in the covenant of Jehovah were blessed and got to be part of all of this. And even if they were circumcised, the men were able to uh, be uh, involved with the Passover. There's many details there. Well, I'm going to finish with one more thing, and there will be some other things I'll say about the passage I was going to look at. But I want to look at the deliverance acknowledged here uh, by the instructions that God gave. Uh, but if you'll note that what happened when they left, they had, the, they had all their food and they had the Passover meal and all that had to be, um, uh, the, the lamb and all, all of that had to be uh, not taken with them but eaten that night and then uh, disposed of but the bread they had to leave in such a hurry that it wasn't able to be needed it wasn't able to be um, uh, leavened or with yeast so they went out because of the great urgency and what was happening they went out with unleavened bread which became part of the whole observance of the Passover in fact in this passage is the Feast of Unleavened Bread uh, instituted both here and in chapter uh, 13. And it's, uh, I think, very interesting, leaven being a picture of uh, the, uh, the matter of uh, sin, and, uh, and we'll see that in chapter 13 when we get to it, that God allowed them to leave with that picture that they were going to go and God was going to deliver them and they needed to keep their lives uh, very much clean. By the way, that's why I believe it's very important as we know what the Lord's Supper came out of the Passover, both the bread should be unleavened and that will be the way it is tonight and the uh, juice is unleavened, uh, is not fermented. All a picture that the blood of Christ was pure and holy and so was his body. So there is a beautiful picture here. Much could be said about that. One more final thought, and uh, that is that uh, you have here the uh, firstborn being consecrated to God, and that's where we will pick it up. All the firstborn of Egypt had been killed. The firstborn, because of the lamb slain, had been preserved in Israel. And God claimed all of Israel as his people. They could have been destroyed also, but they became his. And the firstborn being alive were the picture that they were his and that they were delivered and that he claimed specifically the firstborn to be his. Now that's where you get the whole idea 
First uh, Corinthians six nineteen. What know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which ye have of God, and ye are not your own. We are not our own. Neither was Israel. And God said, you are to dedicate. And you are to bring an offering, which was a very expensive offering for them, of dedication regarding their firstborn. They are mine. And who then became the Lord's in lieu of those uh, firstborn? The tribe of Levi. And they became the priests and the Levites and those that served the temple. And who are we today spiritually? We are kings and priests unto the Lord. We are the Lord's, and he has given us an opportunity to show forth that we know that he is, uh, that we are his by serving him and uh, accomplishing his ministry the same way. This is very rich with meaning. And, uh, and tonight as we celebrate the table of the Lord, I want us to realize that this whole picture begun here even prior to this right with Abraham on down, flows right down to the cross. And there at the Passover meal, the Lord's Supper was instituted. And the Lord had told the Israelites, remember, remember with following the feast of the Passover, then the feast, the seventh, the week-long feast of uh, the unleavened bread, which we'll talk about. And uh, he said, I want you to remember. Jesus said, remember. Remember my body, which is broken for you. Remember the... Uh, my blood that was shed for you, remember. And my friends, if we could understand the depth of the judgment, if we're saved, that we have escaped because of Christ, we, could, we couldn't be the same. I mean, I don't, that was just an amazing thing that those Israelites had to remember. But far more amazing is what God has done for us. Jesus said, you've got to remember You've got to understand what it means when you come to the table of the Lord, what price it was, and what it means for you, and the claim that I have upon your life. Folks, we've been delivered. A much greater deliverance than Israel coming out of Egypt. Egypt, a picture of the world. Aren't you glad you're not part of the kingdom of darkness anymore if you're saved here tonight? Aren't you glad that you know you're on your way to heaven and my friends, we need to have lives that show that forth. May we remember the deliverance that we have. Let's bow.